to Bound by Books, a podcast of five authors across multiple genres talking about the one thing that we are all bound by, books. Welcome. Today, um, I am joined by author uh, Marianne Morea. She's one of our hosts, and I am Sherry Hayes. I write sexy contemporary romance novels and BDSM romance. Marianne, you want to share what you uh, you write? I write um, paranormal fantasy, um, paranormal romance, urban fantasy, uh, vampire fantasy, shifter fantasy, paranormal women's fiction, and a little bit of YA. So um, I run I run the gamut when it comes to that kind of that kind of uh, supernatural stuff because and there's always a lot of action and um, and sex in my books too. <laughs> <laughs> As you say, you you pretty much stick to the paranormal, don't you? I mean, you, I do. everything kind of had all of your books kind of have that supernatural element to them, whereas mine are like so totally contemporary. I don't, I don't have it at least not yet. I have not delved into the um, non-realistic. <laughs> well, I mean, paranormal is something I've always. Uh, I've always written. I just love the way that I can, maybe it's the revenge junkie that lives deep inside me because, you know, when you're just an average human, you know, there's only so much you can do, but give somebody a, a, a paranormal ability and bam, <laughs> you know, you, you could really, you could really, you know, give somebody what's coming <laughs> and do it yeah. with a flare. <laughs> yes, yes. I just finished uh, Tina Moss's, uh, one of our uh, fellow hosts for the podcast, her uh, her book, Code Black. And, you know, it's I'm a about shift. Seven, I'm about 70% done. Okay. So. It's, it's a shifter romance. And I'm like sitting here like, again, I'm not, I'm not really used to the, you know, supernatural stuff. And I'm sitting here like, you know, she's got, She's got shifters that are turning, you know, turning their hands into bear claws and, uh, you know, a character that can shoot fire out of her hands. (laughs) So it's a totally different world than uh, X-Men. Yes, yes, it is kind of reminds me a little bit of X-Men. But yeah, it's a totally different world than writing contemporary because in contemporary, you really have a finite world to write in you know you I mean you you can't say too much (laughs) I dipped one toe in the contemporary world um it's a book called Dangerous Law and it was a CIA black ops um long novella and it was for a a group of authors had gotten together and we were like okay we're gonna have one shared character and then everybody just go so I did mine and it was really, really hard not to make somebody, you know, have special abilities or psychic powers or something. So, <laughs> but it was, it was, a, it was pretty good. Actually, one of the, you know, I've been, you and I have been talking, they, you know, you don't know I'm selling my house, but one realtor came in and she had actually read the book. She had read um, Dangerous, oh. Dangerous Law and, and, you know, and she's like, all the rest of your books are paranormal. I was like, yeah. She goes, are we going to have any more of, you know, Mr. <laughs> Law? And I was like, um, would you want it? And she goes, uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Cause <laughs> yeah, he was pretty hot. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, 
see, for me, it's not, I mean, it sounds like to you, you really like playing with that action and, um, you know, characters that really have that, that uh, those supernatural powers and those elements and stuff like that. But for me, when I write characters, I'm, I'm more writing the human condition. Like that's really what draws me to writing and uh, characters themselves is I really love to write characters that have a crap ton of baggage. (laughs) (laughs) Broken people. Yes. I mean, I mean, my Brianna is a, well, Brianna and Stefan from my Finding Anna series are like the perfect examples of that because, um, you know, Brianna on the surface looks like she is like as broken as broken can be. And she is, I mean, she, she lost her mother um, to cancer then gets shipped off to her dad who that she doesn't know very well, who then treats her basically like this pariah that, you know, and is so strict and he, but he doesn't have anything to do with her. He just barks orders at her all the time. Then she gets, kidnapped and sold into sex slavery oh my god (laughs) um yeah so i mean by the time the story and that's before the story even starts so by the time the story picks up where she you know at the beginning of slave where she gets rescued from sex from sex slavery um by stuff and i mean this girl is like broken she's just totally you know, because again, I mean, I get I get some comments sometimes like, oh, well, she wouldn't be like she's 18. She wouldn't be like this, you know, things. And I'm like, you're missing her. You're missing taking into consideration your backstory, because if you have somebody who loses a loses a parent, they're really their only parent that they know doesn't really get a chance to grieve for that parent, then gets shipped off to another parent who treats them like crap. And then literally gets in there, you know, basically kept in this bubble and then they get shipped off to this, you know, they basically get kidnapped and tortured, raped, you know, shared, you know, shared all this stuff. They basically, that's their introduction to sex essentially. And, you know, relationships for lack of a better word. I mean, everybody deals with that differently. Some people deal with it for, through rebellion and some people deal with it by closing in on themselves. And that's what Brianna did. She closed in on herself and just kind of became this, like, if I don't move, nobody will see me type thing. So on the surface, she seems like she's like my, like my damaged character and Stefan like comes in and like, you know, is the rescue, but he has his own baggage. He lost his parents. He, you know, and he had to deal with a lot of stuff from that too. And he still has some residual effects of that. So having them come together and she kind of brings things out as they, their relationship builds and he's helping her. She kind of helps him like talk about stuff that he, um, what does it normally talk about? So it's, I love dealing with that kind of stuff when it comes to characters. So for for me I I guess I'm kind of the opposite my the scars that my characters carry are also internal and in some cases external as well you know I have uh I have uh, you know vampires who are scarred because of uh you know events that happen in their 
human life that they carried over into their undead life. But at the beginning of my Cursed by Blood series, you know, Lily Sabori is my main character and Lily is, um, she's a badass, but she's a badass because she's like a piece of hard candy, you know, she's hard on the outside and, you know, and, but when you, when you finally Big bite softy on the inside, the inside. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but she has no family, you know, her mother and father were killed in a, in a car accident, <clears throat> but her mother and father's best friends took her in and raised her and they had one child. And so Hunter's, you know, the, the first book in the, in the Cursed by Blood series, um, which is uh, currently called Hunter's Blood <laughs> because I'm taking book one and book two and I'm merging them. Um, she, it opens up where her, where Terry, her, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, stepsister, because she was raised by Terry's parents, is killed now and Lily is a psychic and she works with the New York City Police Department um you know she's like brought in on cases that they you know they they just they have no they have no what where else to turn or if it's a high profile case and they have to they have they 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 have nowhere else to turn and they need they need help they don't normally i mean you wouldn't call in a psychic for you know a regular robbery or whatever we're talking right. about high high higher you know higher end crimes um, especially if they involve somebody who is, um, you know, uh, either related to the brass or somebody who's, you know, politically, you know, high, high, high political official or something. Right. So anyway, um, she and, and uh, Terry have this company where they, they do um, paranormal, paranormal, like uh, uh, investigations and so forth. And it's like usually just for fun. So Lily's getting burned out because she, this is all backstory. Lily's getting burned out because she's, you know, all the cold cases she's working on and all these high profile murders and stuff in New York City. So she and, and Terry decide they're going to go up to Maine and they're just going to do a, you know, a, a regular haunted house. It's going to be just a fun weekend for them to just do normal stuff like you see on TV, like in Ghost Hunters or, or, or Paranormal Adventure or whatever right, you know, like that right. and while they're there terry is killed by a, an animal and it's not oh, really wow. an it's not really an animal it's it, it's a it's a rabid werewolf that kills her and uh, uh lily um, terry's killed and lily is just freaked out now because she's like I, you know, what the hell is this? So even though she's a psychic, she was never attuned to the, to the animals, you know, to, to the, the dual nature, to the, to the shifters in the world or, or right. to any, any, any paranormal entity, because they kind of, they live in plain sight, but kind of under the radar. So she goes back to New York and she decides, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wipe them out. They took from me now, I'm gonna take from them and I'm gonna even the score with you know one bullet at a time so she goes hunting and she goes hunting in central park looking you know to, to practice and to hone her skills in in not just her not just her shooting skills but to hone her 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 psychic skills to be able to hone in on these and on these creatures so when she finally feels like she's better she's she's got it down she heads back to maine and this is where the story picks up and the thing is, is that she's being haunted. She's being haunted by Terry. Terry is a shade wow. and Terry is basically saying to her, don't do this. You have to let go. You have to let somebody into your life because you're just, you're just, you're just closing in on yourself. You're isolating yourself. You're letting your grief and your anger just eat at you. You have to let love in, you know, and, and, and Lily's, rea Lily's reaction is basically that love hurts too much. 
you know, and uh, so she goes hunting to kill the, the, the rabid werewolf that killed her friend and she crashes headlong into the alpha of the brethren who is hunting as well. And it turns out that he's hunting his own brother because there's this virus that has been unleashed into the supernatural world that is degrading these these um, entities down to their base natures. And right now it's, it's contained to the shifter world, but he's concerned that it's going to spread to the other supernatural communities, the vampires, the fae, you know, the, you know, the you know, witches and so forth. And that they're, but on, on top of that, that it could possibly spread into the human world. And once it spreads into the human world, all, all hell's going to break loose because then everybody's going to be outed. So he wants to, he, they need to find a cure for this before it, it, before it, this virus goes viral. And that's where the story picks up. So it's lots of action, you know, lots of snark, lots of, uh, you know, um, sparks flying between, between the two, uh, the, the hero and the heroine. But she gets kidnapped and then there's a lot of convoluted politics that go into this that, you know, for the supernatural in the supernatural world. And it turns out that the shifters and the vampires have to have this, they, you know, they have to have a truth. They have truce, you know, temporary truce because they hate each other to work together because now the virus now then does go into the vampire community. And, wow. you know, and it's affecting the politically, the political elite of both groups. So she's like, you know, I get it in, I get it in the human world and I get it here. <laughs> so She can't escape politics. No. It's everywhere. <laughs> That's interesting because yeah, it definitely sounds like um, your, I mean your your plots are seem like they're a lot more action adventure driven with some drama and politics and uh, you know things kind of mixed in there. Whereas I would say mine are very much. I have very. I have some books with action. Finding in is definitely, I mean, it, there is some action in there, but it's definitely more along the drama lines. Um, whereas I do have um, like my, uh, my first novel, my debut novel, Strictly Professional. It's an office romance with corporate espionage. So, um, okay. you know, yeah, <laughs> I know. I that's, know. Action, that's action there, but of a different kind. You know? exactly exactly yeah it's it's way more i would consider it more mystery suspense ish than action adventure because even though you do have some action involved in there it's way more um like uh, somebody's watching her or you know i just i'm getting these letters that uh, you know are threatening me and uh, telling me to stop doing x y and z or whatever I know you know kind of like I know what you did last summer type (laughs) type thing um but that book is my heaviest in um I guess action-ish things um it's I always explain it to people that it's about 60% romance and about 40% mystery suspense whereas the rest of my books definitely are way heavier on the romance. I would say probably like 80, 90% romance versus like 10, 20% mystery suspense. Cause I mean, I do have um, my, you know, all my Daniels brothers books have um, some element of mystery suspense in them. Um, but it's definitely just like, it, it's, it, you know, it only hones in on maybe 
you know, here and there, the relationship and the building of that and all of that is definitely the, uh, the main stay of it. Whereas I, it sounds like, I know when I read your book Condemned. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> you, you are very good at, uh, history and uh the action parts of of things that you are like really really good at describing those type of things and i noticed tina is really good too and i think that comes from you guys's background in uh being new yorkers <laughs> well yeah that too but i was thinking because you guys both did karate right oh yeah yeah she and i are both black belts yeah. she's a black belt in 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 uh uh shotokan i believe and i'm in um you know, mine is a blend of a lot of different things. It's uh, uh, Aikido and uh, and Jiu-Jitsu and uh, a traditional Japanese karate, but it's all it's all um, full contact, just like hers is full contact. So we, when we spar, we spar. To you know, <laughs> it's not point winner like in Karate Kid. No, it's it's point. You're on the floor. So you know, yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I so yeah, we do. We come we come from that. So yeah, I can, I can definitely, I could definitely tell when I was reading both of your stories, because it was it, when you got to the action scenes, like everything, like I've read books where, you know, you read an action scene and while the pacing is really good, it like people's hands will not be in the right places or they'll have been over here doing they'll be on the ground. And then the next thing, you know, they're flipping over somebody and it's like, okay, they were literally laying flat on their back, like a second ago, how in the world, I mean, you'd haven't even got them up on their feet yet, let alone. I mean, did they just yeah. get off the floor and fly? And these aren't supernatural <laughs> stories here. I mean, they, they didn't sprout wings or anything like that. So, um, yeah. It, so you guys, but yeah, you guys are, seem to be very, very, um, attuned when you write your action scenes to, um, make sure everything is in the right place and make choreographed sense. correctly. Yeah. Choreographed yes. correctly. So I have to deal with that too, a little bit, but I usually have to deal with the choreography during sex scenes more than I do. That's important because their body parts have to be in the right places too. I was in a I was in a chat the other day where they were somebody had brought up the seven the seven points of writing a sex scene and they were just like you know um, hand to skin, mouth to skin, mouth to you know hand to part, mouth to breast, and I was just like okay. And then they left out some of like I was like okay and they were like okay hand to genital and then they were like and that's all seven so I was just like you know wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you left out you left out one very very important one actually two how about genital to genital and mouth to genital I'm like okay this is I mean I know where it sounds like it sounds kind of cringy when you talk about it that way but they were they were touting it as being like the seven you know, like the written in the stone tablets, you know, from biblical times, you know, this is, this, wow. these are the seven elements of writing a sex scene. And I was just like, no, there's, you yeah. know, there's, there's a hell of a lot. There's that, that's like the vanilla umbrella for, well, the thing for is, it, it, writing a sex scene and writing an action scene are very similar as far as choreography goes, because again, you do have to know where every single body part of every single participant is at all times like you right. can't have 
somebody, you know, on there for, you know, again, I write BDSM. So, you know, that even adds another element because I also not only have to remember where people and parts are, I have to remember where equipment is too. Like I have to remember if the person's hands are cuffed or tied or if their ankles are restricted or, (laughs) you know, are they kneeling? Are they standing? Are they laying? I mean, all that stuff comes into play and I mean, again, I've read store, I've read books before where the, um, a person's hands are one place and they're like, oh, their left hand's here and their right hand's here. And then, you know, their mouth is like down by where their feet should be. Like, I mean, you're sitting here, like you're contorted. Like, I'm like, what in the world? It's yeah, just they're not playing any... Twister. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twister. It's like, are you are you a contortionist? Because this is not yeah. function yeah. properly. Yeah. But uh, it's why a lot of a lot of authors. Um, I don't personally, but I know a lot of uh, sexy romance authors specifically will use dolls. Yep. You know, I actually have a friend who uses teddy bears. So that's yeah. why I said to get yourself some teddy bears. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounds crazy. It kind of sounds like really, but they use model. They use yeah. well, they're they're not like you know anatomically correct dolls. You know, it's not oh, like yeah, they, they yeah, get yeah. them. At, they're like they're, they they like use Barbies. They're like, <laughs> not, not, well, I guess you could, but I mean, I know I know some authors who use the posable artist model dolls. You know, oh, yeah, that they because then you can pose them, you know, in different ways. I think if I had them on my desk posed, my kids would be like, What? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, Mom, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing exactly, in there? <laughs> that's not exactly uh, a, a conversation you want to have with your kids. Like, um, my kids are older, so, but I'm still their mother, so it's like, ah, cringe, you know, but you know, they don't want to think about what goes on with, with their parents. Nobody does. I don't want to think about what goes on with my parents. No, <laughs> so, no, no, but no. <laughs> you know, with my, with, with the, with the action and suspense, um, there's more, it's not, it, there's a little bit of suspense in my books. It's not, I wouldn't actually call them, a, you know, like a thriller, although some people have, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all part and parcel of the story. You know, there's always some, some kind of external factor that's, that's, you know, throwing a monkey wrench into, the, into my hero and heroine's natural, natural progression and their, you know, natural coming together. And it's, you know, it has to be dealt with, you know, and I think it's, it, it's, always a, it's always some kind of like a, somebody from the past and whether it's like, like you, when you read Condemned, you know, it was Zahira, it was his maker and she wanted him. And if she couldn't have him, nobody was, you know, and, you know, yeah, she had mental issues. She did have mental issues. <laughs> and the fact that she, mental hun- issues. <laughs> that she hunted, she hunted every, everything and everyone he loved for th- almost a thousand years, you know, yeah. and so that he would, he was, you know, finally going to be agreed to just be alone until he meets Belinda. So, but um, you, you were right. Your comments about that book were right. I need to build up the romance a little bit more. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just vampire fiction. But with a name like Condemned, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked a lot about, you know, how you could potentially, like, weave the story a little more to, to make it more romance-ish. Because, like, I, when we were talking about it, I'm like, the first 70% of the book is it doesn't read like a romance. But the last you know, 20, 30% do, it does. 
So, um, yeah, I was, I, I think it'll, I think, it, I think you can get it to the point where it, it kind of weaves and everything. It'll be good, but you're hit. I mean, the history, I was so impressed with like the history because I, I learned some stuff about that. Cause I mean, you hear about the crusades, you know, you, you everybody knows they existed and things like that. Like I had no idea the Knights Templar were supposed to be celibate. Yeah. Like I had, like, yeah. I, again, I just, I, you know, didn't really dive into that, you know, level of history at, you know, with that on that particular subject, but I was just like, huh. And when I thought about it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, being, you know, the crusades, the Catholic church, you know, all of that. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But uh, it's just not something I'd never thought about, but you do a yeah. lot of research. I mean, that I, I mean, did. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research into into the artifacts that he used to that the you know Dominic collected, the my vampire collected, and her as being an, an archaeological you know yes. uh, studies you know grad grad student, and you know it was just uh, it was fun weaving it and then weaving all of the the the, the history of the vampire and how how Zahira had kind of wheedled her way into the antiquities world and had all these minions following her and and doing her dirty work you know it's just it was it was it was a lot of fun to write but i do have to have them i do have to meet them have them meet up a little earlier and do a little kissy face a little bit <laughs> earlier <laughs> so yeah, cause I, I was, I mean, that, that, like I said, the history part of it and even like her part of like, see, like Sahira's character was just it, evil. It, yes. Evil. Like I said, she was psychotic. I yeah. mean, she just, you just to hear, and she didn't think she would. That's, those are honestly the best. I have two different things when it, two different like favorites when it comes to villain characters. I either like the ones that are so delusional that they don't think they're evil. Like they're so in, like encompassed with their like evil mindset that it's just so normal to them that they just think that this is just, you know, how it's supposed to be. Right. And then the other are the ones that just, they know they're evil. They don't care. They embrace it. And they just go full 120% at, you know, the evil. Because um, Ian in my Finding Ian series is like that. Like he, he has no delusions that he's a good guy. I mean, he, he well, got to own it. Right. <laughs> he, and he, and he just goes full on, you know, he, he, there's no, you know, there's no trying to hide it or anything like that. I mean, obviously legally he's trying to hide it, but like, he doesn't pretend that he's anything other than what he is. Whereas Sahira in your book condemned, I think is more like the first thing. She doesn't yeah. think that she's evil. Mm -mm. She Jeez. thinks that normal. This is right. This is mine. I want it. And I'm going to do everything I want to take it. It was mine from the very beginning and I deserve it. Yeah. You know, the fact that she followed him back to France and killed his, his, his one true love until Belinda rolls around a thousand years later is just crazy. So, but well, yeah. you know, I have to tell you, I was, you know, when it comes to your book slave, 
<laughs> the way you described it and everything, I was like cringing, thinking, okay, how am I going to read this and everything? And then to find out there's no sex in the book. In the first one. Yeah. Yeah. There's, the, there's plenty of sex later on in the series. In the series, but the first the book first slave that there's none. I was really, I was really surprised. I was like, okay, way to go, Sherry, building it up, building up that tension. What a good, what a good job. Yeah, because I am. based on the cover and the title, you think you're going to jump right into the dark end of the pool. And you do because of her backstory. But mm-hmm. there's no there's no nitty gritty. The nitty gritty is all happening between the ears, not between the legs. So yeah, I I, um, I didn't even really struggle with putting sex in that book because I always knew it was going to be a, a multiple book series with the same characters because there was no way I could actually tell the story the right way with uh with her backstory because I've I had built up her I basically had built up her backstory so much and she was so emotionally damaged that I was like if I have them have sex in this first book there's no way that she can be ready for it really consent I mean you know like like it would be him having to push her to that and then that makes him really looked like the bad guy and not a hero and that's not how I wanted him to to look so you know I I I built it up but I've also had I've had people like say because it's a serial series it's my one and only serial series all my other books the stories are self-contained even though if they're in a series like my Daniels Brothers series well it where it's four brothers and each brother has his own book the stories on those are self-contained Finding it is not like that. Like you have to start with slave and go through the whole gamut of books if you want the whole story. And um, so I I knew that I was going in, it was going to be a slow, slow, slow build. And I had to work her through those issues in order to uh if you had just if you had just thrown her into the dark end. It would have been, I mean, considering where she was, mm-hmm. thrown her into the deep end, considering where she was in such darkness in her own head, it would have, it, it would have turned people off, I think. It would have, you know, this is the, yeah. this slow burn that you've built is, is good because you, because the reader can, can work through the psychology along with the story, along with Anna. So, mm-hmm. um, with, yeah. uh, but with, with, um, with mine, I just kind of throw everybody together. You know, it's like they're, they're it's like you're in right. the middle of the action and that's it. Just you're a spectator, grab your popcorn. Now you're going to watch it go, you know, but uh, you know, it's funny because mm-hmm. it was in a chat and um, the gal who was, was doing hosting the chat said that there were um, three different types of series that there was um, there was a single protagonist, you know, uh, and, and uh, there's one that was a single protagonist with where their character arc wasn't very, um, wasn't very deep. And she thought, you know, but, but that the, that the external, her environment and the people around her were the ones who were providing all of the change. Mm -hmm. And she said, think good witch on, on the Hallmark channel. You know, she's like, you know, good witch that, that Cassie Nightingale's character doesn't really change emotionally. Her character arc doesn't, doesn't really change because she doesn't have too much growth to do because she's done it already. She's arrived, but the people around her and the town around her is, is where all the change and the growth is happening. And she kind of helps facilitate that. So that's, that, that's the single protagonist without a, without a deep character arc. Then she's, then she said, then there's this single protagonist with a huge deep 
character depth, character arc. And he, she said, think Harry Potter, you know, that that's, you know, mm-hmm. you're, he's, he starts young and then he has all this growth he has to go through and then growth comes from him as, a, and it could be external as well. And then she said there was the multi-protagonist where <clears throat> each of the, there's a lot, there's, there's multi, multi-protagonist where each, each one gets its own story and that the stories are kind of standalone, you know, but the thing that links them together is the their world, the universe, or a location, or circumstance, or 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 something in that location, and that's what I have in my in my Curse by Blood series. And I was like really surprised that without even knowing what that was when I started writing a decade ago, that that's what I was building. And because right. each one of the books in the Curse by Blood series is kind of a standalone, but they're all linked because they all share a commonality with with the with the with location and with circumstance so right. and is it this, is that the same with you with the daniels brothers well obviously they're brothers but yeah uh well with the daniels brothers yes the the brothers would be so the family would basically be the link um you know them be the brothers and then with my serpent's kiss series that's one of my bdsm series and it's linked by a bdsm club so everybody is yep. attached to that club in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, I mean, I and then of course finding Anna is obviously the the sing. I mean, I would say it's more of a single protagonist deep dive, even though yeah. you've got you know stuff in it is definitely an equal part in that. Um, Brianna really does drive a lot of it. I mean, her issues, her uh, her backstory, and um, and everything and she kind of really guides it's one of the funny things i think that's one of the reasons why people really um like uh finding my finding in a series even if they're not really big into bdsm stories um because it really does kind of take you step by step because you're you literally kind of get led by the hand as brianna gets led by the hand because you know again he couldn't just dive into like you know, oh, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. We're going to start, you know, doing with the whips and chains and everything right, you know, off the bat, because, you know, this is somebody who did go through that, but in a very negative way. So you, you know, I, I kind of use, I did a little bit of research um, in with uh, PTSD sufferers and stuff. And one of the therapies with PTSD is um, exposure therapy. So they, they basically under controlled conditions will like expose them to, um, to things that will trigger their PTSD, but yet walk them through how to remember to use sights and sounds of their current situation to try to stabilize them in the here and now versus things grounded. Yeah. Right. So I kind of try to use that um with Brianna and um I really think that you know kind of working her through that because she does have PTSD let's be honest if yeah, you were well, if you went through it all she went through <laughs> yeah so... you have to be real you have to be real and I think that's something that um resonates with readers is when your characters aren't yeah. you know either too too superhero-ish or 
on the other, on the flip side, too stupid to live, you know, oh, you, know, you can't yeah, have, right. you know, when your character, when your characters are real with real emotions and real flaws and real um, baggage that they need to work through, because even with all the action and the history and the fact that my characters are most, most of them are supernatural, there's baggage that has to be worked through, you know, there's right. a, there's, there, there, I have, I have vampires who are created with, with cruelty and vice. And, you know, I, I mean, with my book, Blood Legacy, I had one reviewer leave me a, a review saying I didn't know vampire rape was a genre, you know, because he was created by, you know, uh, a, another vampire who was kind of just feral and, you know, but but feral in the sense that he he was kind of like that character, your character, Ian, he was evil and he knew it and he just didn't care. He wanted what he wanted and, right. you know, um, and, uh, you know, he, cre he wants Carlos and Carlos basically says, I, you know, I, this is not my, you know, basically this is not my thing. And, uh, you know, it, of course it's happening in, in 1737. So there's different language that's being used, right. you know, because this is another, another deep dive into history. Um, but afterwards he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want to, to be like his maker. He wants to, he wants to rebel against it. So he's a loner until until he can figure out how to find um forgiveness and absolution because he's got the guilt that he's lost his soul too because he feels like now he has no soul and he has to be proved that he you know you can still be a good person and keep that tether to your humanity you know and and be undead you know that you don't mm -hmm. have to become this evil predator you know you don't it's that you, you have a choice and it's hard but you can do it so right. Yeah, that that that's that's difficult, though. I mean, I, I honestly, the the creator thing is, you know, if your creator is evil or your creator is good, I think it's it kind of does mirror the whole child parent um, situation because if your if your parent is, you know, psychotic, not, yeah, <laughs> not a good person, um, you know, or has major issues, it's you know, it's it does take a lot of work for the child to, you know, not um, to basically realize that they have a choice that can be different from that parent. Like right. it, it really does take some work through. So yeah, well, this was fun with yeah, a deep dive kind of yeah. into characters <laughs> and our stories. This was so much fun, but unfortunately we are out of time for today. Uh, it's crazy how fast that goes, Yeah, <laughs> but um. I, I hope everyone has enjoyed our, uh, our conversation today. I know Marianne and I had fun. Uh, Marianne, you want to share uh, your website with uh, listeners? Sure. Most of my books are in Kindle Unlimited for the time being. So you can find me um, on my author page on Amazon, or which is Marianne Morea. Or you can reach me at www.mariannemorea.com. Um, you can email me at Marianne at MarianneMorea.com. Um, I, I have a weekly newsletter. Um, they're, they're, the contact information uh, and the sign up is right in the top bar under contact. You click contact and you know it'll take you right to the sign up for my newsletter for all kinds of fun games and 
giveaways and info about new releases and where I'm going to be, because I'm going to be at three different conferences. I'm going to be at Literary Love in Savannah, Georgia, the first weekend in August. Then I will be at Orlando Reads Books um, the 26th, 27th, and 28th of August as well. And then I will be in Las Vegas, baby, November 8th through the 11th, no, November 8th through the 12th. So, you know, fun, if you Harry come by on the 12th because there's a massive book signing. It's open to the public and it's free, free, free for you to get in <laughs> on the November 12th in Las Vegas at Bally's at the hotel. So anyway, Sherry, what about you? Uh, I am wise. So my books are available on Amazon, Apple, uh, Nook, Kobo, and Google Play. Uh, so you kind of almost find my books on any of the major retailers. Um, but you can also go to my website, which is www.sherryhayesauthor.com. And uh, all my books are listed there along with my um, sign up for my newsletter. And um, I also just recently opened a shop on my page. Yay, I'm going to be doing that too. You're going to be picking your brains, girl. Yeah, so you can <laughs> so you can order signed copies of my paperbacks or you can even sign up. I'm, I'm actually going to be doing my first ever mystery box um, in August. And I just opened the... Um, the signups for the for that so you can order that and it is going to include a 10th anniversary hardcover edition Ooh. of slave because this year is the 10th anniversary of slave i cannot believe it but it is it's been 10 years so i'm excited about that so i'm gonna have that in the air along with some other bookish goodies um it's, you know, it should be a really good box. It's, uh, I, I'm really excited about it. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, it's my first, first foray into this. And if it goes well, I hope we'll have, hopefully we'll have some other bo mystery boxes coming in the future. So yay. Sounds excited, fun. Excited. Well, thank you all for listening. And, um, we are so happy that you you uh, stopped by and, and gave us a listen, and we hope that you will join us next Monday. Our podcast goes live on Mondays at uh, noon Eastern time every Monday. So we hope to see you then. Until we are then. bound by books. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.